Positive thoughts, everybody. Positive thoughts. Everybody take a breath. In with Jesus, out with Satan. I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello there, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the podcast dedicated to plant-based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder, and I'm so glad you are joining me and listening today. I'm here with the man who never met a vegan barbecue chip he didn't like, my husband and producer of the podcast, David Rossetti. Say hello, Mr. Rossetti. Hello, hello. That is actually absolutely true. I know. Barbecue chip. Is I have my to favorite. often rip them out of your hands and be like, "Wait, does it have honey?" Well, that's true. Always got to look and see if it has honey. Um, how are you doing? Oh my goodness! Uh, it's Tuesday, November third. Mm-hmm. When this releases, Tuesday, November third. Uh, yeah, because right now it's actually Sunday, November first. But this episode is coming out on the day, the Tuesday, the day. How are you feeling? Trying to keep it positive. Yeah. But it's hard. Um, yeah. We voted. We done month, did it. A month, a month ago, I we guess, did with the, the absentee. So, I mean, that felt good, and we could track it, and it, mine's been counted. Mine's so, like, been counted, too. And I think if you're anyone who's been listening to anything in the world, you went out and done your did thing and voted. I hope so. Or you're so. listening to this while you're waiting in line. Hopefully it's not too Oh, what a wonderful thing for your ears right now. I mean, I'm paralyzed a bit already, and I just don't know what to do half the time. I spend my time between being confused and trying to keep some sort of routine in life and feeling like everything is all for nothing these days. Part pandemic, part election, part just having to adult. I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. But let's let's not not go there. So who's on today? You mean not go to adulting? Well, I mean, we kind of have to. I don't want to. But who's on the pod today? Who's on today? Honey. Ooh, honey. Honey. Oh, y'all want a twist. Let me tell you who is on. Two swell gents we know and adore. Michael Suchman and Ethan Cement of the Vegan Moes are our guests today. Yes, yes. Michael and Ethan are good friends of ours from New York. Uh, we're so happy to get to, uh, you got to chat with them today um, and catch up. Today? I mean, <laughs> or a while ago this was it's been a it's been a ago. clock tick since i chatted with them but we recorded it yeah. and we're playing it today but we missed them a lot so that was that was nice to kind of have that yeah moment to reconnect. we do miss them a lot they were really awesome supporters of the vegan roadie from the beginning back in 2014 and at some point along the way we became pals with them yeah we even did a, a video with them um, and I think it's up on the Vegan Roadie channel. Remember? What was it? Oh, yes. Thanks. <laughs> uh, oh, we played that right. dreadful game. It's called Tops and Bottoms. We have told you we made a video with them and playing a game called Tops and Bottoms. Yeah, right, right, right. Some context. So Tops and Bottoms was this game that is like a cards against humanity, only geared towards the homosexual population. So it's exactly like the Cards Against Humanity, where one person draws a card, the other one fills in the blank with an answer from their cards. But it was... It just was didn't quite didn't quite hit hit the mark. David, it was so bad. The game was bad. I'm sorry. I rarely say that about stuff because I don't want to be a negative person about it. But the game was not good. Bless. I mean, props to well, people for putting hard work. I support into our it, I support our people, but it was just not quite a not quite a hit. Thing. I support entrepreneurship. Is that a word? Yeah. But some things just I, I don't know. You. It was yeah. But anyways, I yeah, remember it was a lot of awkward. 
laughing. Yeah, we hadn't actually looked at the game much. We just got it and thought it would be fun uh, and like so hysterical. So we should record and share it, right? And the video is still up there somewhere. Like David said, 400 views (laughs) with all of us awkward laughing through the game. But now listen, Ethan, Michael, the vegan Moe's who they be. Let us tell you. Michael Suchman believes passionately in vegan food as activism. Uh, He's a certified vegan life coach and educator through the Main Street Vegan Academy. Uh, He's also certified food for life instructors through the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Um, Michael is recovering lawyer. His words, those are his words. Um, having practiced in the field of corporate litigation for 12 years, bless his heart. Uh, he is also an accomplished photographer whose work can be seen in private collections in New York, Palm Beach, and Los Angeles. Dr. Ethan J. Cement is a board certified podiatrist in private practice in New York City. He is the founder and director of the Chelsea Foot and Ankle Center, where he treats the entire spectrum of foot and ankle medicine and surgery. When he is not practicing medicine and surgery, Ethan spends his time advocating on behalf of animals and working to promote veganism. Ethan also serves on the board of directors of Woodstock Farm Sanctuary. And if you don't know them, Michael and Ethan are married, if you haven't picked up on that. Uh, they created a blog, veganmose.com, um, where they share recipes for delicious homemade vegan food, cookbook and product reviews, and thoughts about LGBTQ uh, equality and animal rights. In 2015, Vegan Mose was named one of the top 10 male vegan blogs by Veg News Magazine. In 2016, Vegan Mose was awarded a Veg News Bloggy Award as one of the top 21 vegan blogs blogs to follow and they released their cookbook nyc vegan an iconic taste of the big apple in 2017 let's learn more about it shall we here's michael and ethan the vegan moves with liberty and justice for all one meal at a time it's the vegan moves ethan cement and michael suchman gentlemen how are you we are wonderful how are you I'm fantastic. You boys are in New York. I'm in Atlanta. We're talking over the miles. How have you been in New York? How's it been there? It's been weird. It's been a really unusual time. Yeah. Well, we uh, we miss you guys very much, and we miss New York. Uh, And I know you guys are recovering there from, uh, well, not recovering. We're in the midst of it all, still in the pandemic, even by the time this episode goes up. But uh, let's get to our icebreaker question. What are two things... What what two things do you consider yourself to be very bad at? <laughs> Ethan, do you want to go first? Now, let me tell you, I, I chose this question for you guys because you both are so very good at lots of things and you're both very, very handsome. So I was like, what is it these two can't do? So I want to know. Um, first of all, thank you. That's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Mike, uh, Mike, Michael, I Truth, think you should honey. go first. Okay. Um, bad at... Speaking up for myself and saying what I may, what I want in a particular situation, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I'm really bad at self motivating. Like if there's oh, if I'm given a task to do, yep. that thing is done faster and better than you could have hoped. But if it's sort of an amorphous thing that it's up to me to figure it all out, or whatever. Sure, mm-hmm. I'm a great worker bee. I would have never guessed that about you. I would have yeah. thought that you just like had it together. Me too, Dustin. I've like I've been I've been living with him for sixteen and a half years, and that's news to me. <laughs> like I just drag my ass to the gym, no problem. But if it's a that's gym. actually what I was thinking of when you said that. I was like, I know he gets his ass to the gym. 
Oh, well, that's just, you know, that's gay law. So I have to do that. (laughs) (laughs) You're just following code. (laughs) It's in the book. (laughs) And Ethan, what about you? Um, I think one thing that I'm, I'll say that I'm trying to get better at, um, that I'm not really very good at, although getting some practice is, um, establishing comfortable boundaries. Um, uh, yeah, sometimes I'll just sort of like, yeah, sure. Fine. Go along with it. Um, when in fact, inside I'm like, nope, not going to happen. Um, Mm. so that's, I'm getting better at that. It only took me nearly 50 years. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Um, uh, the only other thing uh, that comes to mind, and Michael's gonna love this, is maybe just getting myself out the door on time. Uh, oh, we've got a tar- a tardy for the party. I feel like I'm conscious of time, and I feel like I'm really aware of needing to get going, and I feel like I'm moving through some preparatory, get ready, whatever. Uh-huh. And the time starts moving faster than I thought it would, or I uh-huh, somehow uh-huh. just, and then I'm running behind. So yeah. a little time management. Listen, guys, nobody's perfect. It's okay. You've just humanized yourself, which is great because you're both devastatingly handsome. So everyone can go to their Instagram right now, the vegan Mo's, and see what I'm talking about. If you have yet to see their beautiful faces. Um, now before we, oh, oh, and my two things that I'm bad at gentlemen, I'm terrible at math. And also, um, like, like frighteningly bad at math. I don't know why anyone trusts me to cost out recipes or scale them up because uh, quite big question mark there. Um, but also reading contracts or instruction manuals. I view those as the same thing. Um, I just too totally. many details can't do yeah. it. And um, it's a it's way too much for me to get into. Oh, like I when you're updating hand- software or something on your computer, and it says you mm-hmm. here read this 500 page thing oh yeah never no you just click okay agree next and done (laughs) i can't handle it a box comes in the mail with instructions i'm like david i don't even know why anyone would put my name on this and send it to me can you open this please yeah um so thank god for him he's really good at reading manuals and all that stuff like that so i'm terrible so before we dive into your book nyc vegan let's quick get a glimpse back from each of your your childhoods like can you tell us where each of you grew up and how food might have been part of your life in your your youth Sure. I grew up just north of New York City in Westchester County in, to be specific, Chappaqua. Yes, Chappaqua, home of the Clintons now. They are across the road from my parents. And cooking was just sort of one of those things I just started doing probably when I was in about five or maybe six, seven years old. My mom one morning said, what do you want for breakfast? I said pancakes. So she took out her New York Times cookbook and laid it on the counter, opened it up to the cookbook, to the pancakes recipe and said, here, go make them. I love it. So that was sort of the start. And then Ethan and I are both of the original latchkey kid generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, both parents working and a lot of times it was, okay, you're home, you have to start dinner. And that for a kid, it just usually meant setting the table, making salad or whatever. But it just sort of became a necessity that you learned how to cook. And it just went from there. So around like five or six, you said? You just started cooking? Uh, Probably like around six, yeah. Doing the thing? Yeah. All right. What about you, Ethan? Um, I grew up outside of Washington, D.C. in suburban Maryland. Um, And I grew up in a pretty religiously observant Jewish home. And so 
uh, a lot of the, the weekly and just annual um, holidays, festivals, Sabbath every week, things like that, um, they're so centered around food and food preparation and traditional foods. Um, and as a young kid who realized he really didn't want to be out in the yard playing with kids, um, doing baseball and football and the things that like were just totally unintuitive to me, I realized I could sure. have so much more fun in the kitchen if I hung out with my mom or with my grandmothers um, when I would go to visit them. And so uh, I was immediately turned into a sous chef, um, learned how to prep food, things like that. And same thing Michael said, uh, you know, mom worked and we would come home and I was the older brother. So I had to make sure that we got in the house okay, locked the door, called my mom and told her we were in. And then we would, you know, be told, do your homework. And by the way, I need you to start like shredding some cabbage because we're going to make coleslaw if you could peel some carrots, that kind of thing. And so it just started off that way and eventually got to the point where I thought, why do I have to wait and be her sous chef? I can just make all these things myself. And, uh, and that's where it sort of started. Oh, you're lucky parents. You guys got in there and rolled your sleeves up. I love it. <laughs> I think it was by uh, design. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, they willed it that way. That's exactly. what it to be. Now, when, uh, when, did, when did you two meet? What's the story there? We met, and depending upon the age of your average listener, they may or may not remember the website Friendster. Ah, the yes, precursor yes, yes. to Facebook. We that is where we say. met through a mutual friend. And we both dated him at different times, like years earlier, and um, really nice guy. But you know, neither of us wanted to ultimately date not him a long term. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and he sort of introduced us that way. Yeah, he, so we were friends mutually through Tom on Friendster. And Tom also, back in the day before most people had blogs, he had his own website he created for all his friends just to get together. And like he might throw up like a random topic for discussion for the day and people would just chime in through the day at work. And so... A Renaissance man he was. He was. So we met through Friendster and we also kind of connected on his website, Drinky Drinks. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. How long was Friendster around? <laughs> it feels like it ended like a year after we, uh, yeah. the two of us hooked up. Like, I, I feel like it was there to serve a purpose for us. And then it got bought out by this, <laughs> this um, I think it was really big in Asia. And it became this totally different sort of like, what kind of pop music group do you like to listen to website? It was sort of oh, this really weird change in tone for what it was and it lost all of its u.s followers um and i think we held on to it just for nostalgia and yeah i was like no that was our first conversation i'm gonna hold that and like back in the day when it didn't occur to me like i should just cut and paste it and put it into a to a word document and save it but (laughs) but what was that in the ether somewhere Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so crazy when you said Friendster, I was like, how long did that even last? Now, when you guys started dating, were either of you vegan at the time? Nope. Um, um, in I fact, not at all. <laughs> neither of us not were vegan. Right. I was I, right. I was I was sort of in my third or fourth lapse through vegetarianism, which I would do okay. for a period of time, think it was healthy, think it was doing something good for the environment, and then and for the animals. And then on our second date, uh, Michael was like, hey, I've got a, this person who I'm entertaining from out of town. Why don't you come and join us for like burgers? And I was like, that's weird for a second date, but okay, cool. Um, and I went out to 
this dinner with him and this guy who was visiting from all of all things um the mid-atlantic rodeo right michael yeah and, i was their poster boy yeah oh i can see this and so I that's a whole other that. story oh my gosh i want a picture i will send you one thank you we went out for burgers at this joint on on 8th avenue and uh you know, this is like the first hamburger I've had in, in a couple of years. And um, through the meal, I'm starting to feel like this is a really weird situation because I don't know why this person is on the date with us because um, I thought this was a date. And at the same time, <laughs> this is the first like ham- this I'm having like a bacon cheeseburger and I'm like, my stomach right. is starting to go like, hey girl, you haven't yeah. had meat in like how long? And <laughs> so I like excuse myself to the restroom and I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be good. So we got the bill and as he's like, oh, we're going to go here. We're going to go here. You're going to come with us for a drink. And I'm like, yeah, no, sorry. I'm going to run, but it was really nice meeting you guys. <laughs> I think I ran home to be <laughs> sick. Um, and Michael was, well, I don't know, Michael, how did you take that? Um, I... <laughs> didn't really think one way or, or another about it because it was <laughs> it was the night before the pride parade wasn't it yeah i think it was a night or two before pride and i had to get up early because i was riding the mechanical bull in the pride parade that year <laughs> for As the rodeo one does <laughs> so it was As one does it's a very weird thing but uh oh my goodness and i was sure he was convinced that was blowing him off and i'm like nope just really sick eating a burger. That's really sick. Eating a burger. And then you were the first to go vegan out of the two. So do I have that correct? You correct? are. Yes? Yeah, I was. I, yes. um, I had, uh, back in 2009, I had, uh, joined like this group of friends in our neighborhood. Um, they were all women who had just had babies in the past year. And we're like, we want to lose our baby weight. We're all going on weight watchers. And we're going to do this as like this, this competition thing. And so I thought, sure, I'll do this. And I don't even know what Weight Watchers is, but I'll figure it out. At the same time, I was sort of reading about different ways to like lose weight, get trim. Um, I had for years had an issue with high cholesterol, which runs in my family. And I was already on a statin trying to control my high, high cholesterol. And, and it wasn't really working. And so I decided that I was going to recommit to being um, vegetarian and I was going to do this, this whole thing as a vegetarian. Um, And it worked. I mean, I lost a ridiculous amount of weight in a very short period of time, but I started reading more and more about um, the way food was produced and, you know, about different diets. And of course, taking me down the rabbit hole, I started reading about the truth about how animals are turned into food. Um, And specifically, I read Jeffrey Masson's The Face on Your Plate, The Truth About Food. And um, while he does talk a lot about compassion towards animals and, you know, the reasons that we we ought not treat um, cows, chickens and pigs any differently than we do our dogs and cats, um, there was just so much in there about how food is produced in the U.S. that I just knew nothing about. And the more I learned about it, the more I thought, this is just a system I want to opt out of. And um, and then, you know, Twitter was getting big and I started meeting all the vegans on Twitter and I started realizing that like, wow, if I really want to like do what I, what I, I say I want to do, if I put my money where my, where my mouth is, I should probably be going vegan. But it just seemed so radical at the time. Um, sure. 
And so I was struggling with it for a couple of months until, until Thanksgiving of 2009. I thought, you know, this is my favorite holiday. It's not, not because of, you know, the mass incarceration or genocide right. associated right, right, right. with it, but yeah. just the food um, and, and time with friends. Um, sure. And I, I thought, if I can do Thanksgiving as a vegan, I can literally do any holiday as a vegan. And so we set out to do it that year. We went up for Thanksgiving to visit Michael's family up in Westchester, uh, and you know, I, I had salad and a couple of the sides and they're all like, Oh, he's dieting. That's so cute. I'm like, yeah, he's not dieting. He's got a whole vegan thing waiting for him at home. Uh, and we went home and we had a turkey roast and we had made all of our Thanksgiving sides and just did really, you know, simple swap outs. Like instead of using sure. butter, we used vegan butter. Um, yep. And we sat down and had this huge meal. And I think the two of us were just so surprised at how it just tasted like Thanksgiving. It was like the yeah. same thing. And I put my fork down. I looked at Michael and I said, all right, that's it. I'm vegan. And uh, done and done. done. Hands like this, wiping those hands. Yeah, I just turned on a dime. I love that. Well, and then how long after... Michael, did you go vegan? It was uh, almost two years until I was fully vegan. Okay. Okay. Um, for the first chunk of it, uh, when Ethan first was vegan, he did what many of us do, and I did it myself. When you first go vegan, is you start shouting at everyone that they need to go vegan, and here's why. And so, even though I knew everything Ethan was saying made perfect sense to me, the way the message was coming at me made me just dig my heels and say, I don't care how right you are. I'm not doing this. Sure. And then months later, many, many months later, I was watching Oprah as one did. And she had Kathy Preston on and she talked about her husband who was vegan ish and being a flexitarian and okay. meatless Mondays. And I was, this was the first time I had heard any of these terms. It's like, oh, meatless Monday, that I will commit to. So I started doing vegan every Monday. And if it was a day where I forgot that it was Monday, I was rushing or I forgot to pack lunch, I'd be really upset with myself and I'd make up for it and do it the next day instead. But once I had a good string of like four or five Mondays in a row mm-hmm. where I did it, I added in Tuesdays and then I added Wednesdays and Thursdays until eventually I hit a full seven days. And it took me a little, it took me about a year and a half from when I started doing it to actually be vegan. And it was actually just September 12th. What year was it, Ethan? Do you remember? 2011. 2011. 2011. So yeah, so I just hit nine years a couple days ago. Well, happy vegan anniversary. Thank you. um, Ethan, you went cold tofurkey, and Michael, you gradually went into it. Do you guys have advice for our listeners out there who might be in a similar situation? I, too, I was vegan when I met David, and David wasn't vegan, so we navigated that for a while. How did you guys navigate one being vegan and one not being vegan? I think any advice is always helpful for people who might be in that situation. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I went, uh, vegan and Michael stayed as he was as an omnivore, um, I had become friends back then with our mutual friend, JL Fields. And she was in the same situation where she had sort of woken up and decided to go vegan. And her husband, Dave was definitely not vegan, although supportive of her being vegan. And, 
we were we were chatting one day. I think we were out having coffee, or we might have gone out to a restaurant. And she um, she was basically uh, saying something along the lines of, you know, this is a hard thing for us to negotiate, but I figure. And I being JL said, you know, I figured that like, if he stayed exactly the same in this marriage and is exactly who he ever was, and he can accept me changing, the least that I can do is accept the fact that he's exactly the same person that I met, fell in love with and married in terms of the way that he eats and stuff like that. And so from that perspective, um, it made a lot of sense to me that like, you know, here I am, I've gone through this rapid um, awareness expansion. I've completely changed the terms of our relationship on some level here. And Michael's thing was, you know what? I love you, whether you're an omnivore or a vegan or whatever, it doesn't make a difference to me. Then my thinking was, if he can accept this new version of me, I should accept the fact that he might never change. He might never be vegan. And while that would be something that was out of step with who I know him to be, the compassionate and kind and concerned animal lover that I've known him to be. Uh, that's also something that was, you know, I was out of step with for myself for 38 years. Right. And so right. re- recognizing that it was, it, the second I recognized that I stopped pushing. I was sort of evangelical, if you will. And I was constantly like, <laughs> you know, from things like, how's your plate of murder to, um, oh, you've got to see this video oh and you come over and it's Ethan. like, you know, and it's chickens being debeaked or, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. baby male chickens going down a grinder or something like that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and then realizing that like, this is not, no one ever walked into something new from someone shouting and screaming. Like what's our natural, what's our natural inclination when someone's shouting and screaming or pushing you, you tend to get pushed in the other direction. And so the second away, honey, exactly. So the second I stopped pushing and the second I gave up and made my peace with it was the moment that there was space for him to like walk into it on his own terms. Sure. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so interesting uh, that JL Fields was part of changing that perspective. She has such a way of um, streamlining things. I yep. think. Uh, I love watching her oh, demos at Fest and everything because she really, really, in the best way, she just really, really paints pictures very well for people in a way that's very accessible and digestible for Completely. an audience. Yeah. Uh, M- Michael, how was it on your end having Ethan sort of, like you said, he was saying things to you um, and showing you videos, everything he just said. How was it on your end? How did you navigate that? Um, it really felt very much like an assault because <laughs> sure. You, sure. here's this person who I love dearly, who is trying to force me to watch these videos that I see him watching and bursting into tears watching. Right. Like, why are you trying to do this to me? Stop screaming at me. That's not going to get me to do anything. You know, I love you. I'm, a, I'm accepting the fact that you've changed. You need to accept me that I haven't. Absolutely. And it was actually once he stopped the pushing that I could very easily hear the message for the message as opposed to getting it confused with the messenger. Sure. And that is what actually allowed me to start moving forward into saying, okay, when it's not being yelled at me and it's just, you know, the brochure is just being left on the table. If I choose to look at it, it's now my choice. I'm going to be more likely to actually pick it up and read it. 
So if we were to summarize this for the listeners, what would you guys say is the nugget of wisdom here that you learned in navigating that situation? (laughs) Just stand in your own center of truth and be yourself. And don't expect anyone else to change with you. Don't yell at people. Just be the best example of whatever it is you want to promote and let that do the talking for you. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be able to change other people. You're, you're just not going to be able to do that. Um, they have to want to change and you can't even necessarily, it's like, it's like, it's like telling someone you have to go to 12 step. Like <laughs> you might be right, right, but you can't push them there. Right. Sure. They, they have to want to do this themselves. And, and, and it's frustrating because sometimes it's the people that we're closest to the people we most love, the people we have the deepest connections to who just can't see past that for whatever reason. Sure. And so you just have to let go of that attachment. Um, and like Michael said, if you stand in your own center of truth, you inhabit yourself as fully and honestly as you are, and you just sort of shine from your own truth. Um, it, it, it gets across. It may not feel like it, but you're making an impact. Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you guys sharing sort of that journey together uh, with the listeners. And I think patience is an over, like an overall sort of theme and all of that too. And I just think people can really learn from that because I know that's a hard thing to navigate. Well, my favorite question to ask every guest I have, um, for you guys, when it comes to vegan cookbooks, what was your first vegan cookbook? Oh, that's so easy. I think <laughs> for it's me, the, I, I think it's the same one that was, at that time, everybody's first vegan cookbook. Oh, okay. Which was? And I'm going with Veganomicon. Yeah. Oh, yeah! So, Veganomicon was the one that I aspired to cook like, but <laughs> I actually... I actually... Ah! I actually found it, and no offense to Isa or Terry, who I, sure. I, I adore them. Terry's like just the greatest human being alive. Um, I, I found it to be a little bit complicated for me. It helped okay. me actually recognize that like, I don't need to cook with someone else's flavor and spice profile. I can cook with my own. And uh, I actually got as a gift from a friend who um, knew I'd gone vegan, wanted to give me a gift for, for I think it was for my birthday got me a bunch of cookbooks and he's not vegan still. Um, he got me Robin Robertson's thousand vegan recipes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, ah. this will keep me going for at least a year and a half. So let's go. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. I just cooked my way through that book. Like literally it's an encyclopedia. And, and the really neat thing about it is like, I mean, I actually think Robin's since that time and the past 11 years, she's released far better cookbooks <laughs> oh my than goodness. that. She's like, and she's and so encyclopedic. Many. So many. She's constantly like, yeah. just she sneezes and a cookbook comes out. But I mean, she, 100%. Yeah. But, but what was really great about it for me was there was a simple sort of form or structure to just about any kind of recipe in that book. So even if like she had a recipe for a certain cake and I made it and I was like, I don't like this. It allowed me to figure out what about the cake I didn't like or what I wanted different or, oh, you know, I would use more sugar than she uses here or I would use more oil than she uses or in general, I use more sugar and oil than everybody. But um, uh, <laughs> but it, I was, it, it was a really great tool to have or like I would look at a recipe and I'd be like, oh, she uses cilantro and I don't eat cilantro, but I would swap out this. And it was just this sure. great empowering thing to realize that like, Nine times out of 10, if I was looking for a recipe, there was something 
close enough in that book. And it just really, it, 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 it completely helped me find my way. You know, it's interesting. We should um, just give a shout completely to um, Robin Robertson. She's sort of the unspoken vegan queen of cookbooks. Like, for sure. You know, everyone knows who Issa is and who Chloe is, but um, Robin has been doing it for a long time, yeah. and she has so many cookbooks out. Um, and uh, I, th- I I have like five or six of them. Um, I'm sure, actually, I might even have more than that because you kind of will get something and then suddenly you're like, oh, this is Robin Robertson. It's yep. sort of that sort of thing. Exactly. Yep. So and and just like Ethan says, it they're a great place to start. So anyone out there looking for a place to start, just look up Robin Robertson on Amazon and, or anywhere. Or sorry, look up Robin Robertson. Um, Google her and find all her books, and you know, get them anywhere books are sold. Yeah, she's uh, she's kind of like the the David Frost for cookbooks. Like she's got her finger in everything, right? It's yep, just amazing. Yep. <laughs> It's really great. I was really upset because my next book that I took to, um, we share a publisher on our, or an imprint of the last publisher. And um, I, I was taking a proposal to them for a mac and cheese book. And then I looked at their roster and it was, hers was coming out like in two months. And I was like, um, well, they're not going to get this book from me now if she's doing it. And it's, a, it's an amazing mac and cheese book. You know, why would I compete with that? Yeah. Um, now, before we dive into NYC Vegan, which is available everywhere books are sold, let's chat quickly about an ebook I turned to every holiday season, Moe's No Best, the perfect vegan Thanksgiving. Y'all, no joke, I make the cranberry sauce and gravy from this ebook every year, and I've made the green bean casserole a couple times as well. Uh, each time I did, it was for family outings, and they loved it. What are a couple of your favorites from uh, the Moe's No Best book? Um, definitely the sweet potatoes for me, because that was one I grew up with every Thanksgiving it is not Thanksgiving if I do not have my sweet potatoes with marshmallows on it. <laughs> and thanks to Dandies, I can do that. Yep. So that is my absolute favorite in the book, probably. That's great. David loves his sweet potatoes and, and, and gravy on Thanksgiving too. Yeah, that gravy is great, guys. Yeah, and for me, it's the stuffing. Um, I remember as a kid, I never, I never, even as an adult, I never really liked the taste of turkeys, and. Uh, I just couldn't couldn't get into it, and it was this thing where you'd take the requisite slice and put it on your plate and try to finish it. That's the way I thought about it. But I kept thinking I could eat three more helpings of of, of the stuffing and the cranberry sauce and all the other sides. But like, just I would almost like try to like hide the turkey on the plate because I just didn't want to finish it. And then I go vegan. And it's like you can have as much, and I'm an adult, and I'm you know got my own agency. I'm like you can sure. eat all the stuffing you want, kid. And uh, this was sort of a take on the the stuffing recipe that my mom used to make. Um, but my brother, actually, of all people, my brother, um, my parents didn't really do Thanksgiving once we were past the age of like seven or eight. They just sort of didn't see the point. Um, and uh, my brother and I would do it. And then as a young adult, and, and my brother would actually make his own and I'd make my own. And one year, about oh, 15 years ago, I said, do you have mom's old stuffing recipe? And he gave it to me. And um, I tweaked a couple of seasonings. And that's my mom's stuffing. Listen, isn't that the best part? Everyone out there listening for recipes that you love, it's pretty easy to veganize almost anything, especially something when you have something from your childhood. Ask your, there's my next book. I have like two recipes. My um, aunts and my mom always made this potato casserole on Mm. every holiday. And I was like, can someone just send that to me? Cause I'm just going to like 
change that up and it tastes exactly the same Mm, i love that it's great listeners you can get most know best the perfect vegan thanksgiving for only 4.99 at veganmos.com by clicking on the cookbook tab on the website now let's talk nyc vegan the only vegan cookbook dedicated to iconic recipes offering up a taste of the big apple it goes without really we don't need the answer because we get it from just talking to you but guys why nyc vegan Uh, it's a, it was kind of just sort of like a, a love note to the city that we both live in and love and that we've called our home. Michael was, you know, raised outside the city here. I've been living here now for 30 years and, uh, it's just, I don't know, there's, for those of us who are New Yorkers and who, who stay and those of us who stay through a pandemic and stuff like that, Mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. it's this thing, like the things that we love about New York, it's not that we're paying too much in rent or that we're all crammed on top of each other and it takes two hours to go one mile or any of those unlivable (laughs) situations. Like what we love about New York and when we leave New York, what we miss about New York is it's the people and it's the, it's Mm -hmm. this just beautiful tapestry of people from all around the world, from all walks of life, from all different communities of faith or of no faith. And it's just, it's, it's the fact that we all sort of weave together in this like beautiful tapestry. That's the city and the food, the over 17,000 restaurants here, the food is sort of a celebration of that. And so we wanted to, as much as possible with the limitations of a cookbook um, and also making it personal to like what we enjoy in our lives and our families who are, are, you know, for generations in New York, um, wanted to sort of explore some of that and give people a taste of it. Obviously not a representative sample of everything because you'd need, you'd need Robin's thousand. That would be a volume. Volume. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. I mean, you would just need like an encyclopedia to get through. For sure. Uh, You have a very lovely forward written by author, actor, and activist Alan Cumming in this book. Now, that's such a special forward to have. What did it mean to you guys to have someone so influential uh, write such a glowing advancement for the book? That was almost as amazing as just doing the book itself for me. Sure. And when someone like Alan Cumming refers to your book as the literary, the cookbook equivalent of Madonna... I there's literally like what else do you want someone to say beyond that like for fuck's sake wow Um, I love it yeah yeah it meant a lot to us especially because because we wanted somebody who was a New Yorker but at the same time I personally wanted somebody who was a New Yorker like me who was a transplanted New Yorker who who chose to make New York their home as Alan and his husband do. And, um, and I wanted, we wanted somebody who was LGBTQ. We wanted somebody who um, was vegan and uh, it it just, I don't know. It it just sort of felt like it was the most perfect wish list um, get. And he's such a great person and he's such an amazing activist. And, so generous. Um, we feel really fortunate to have had that. Now let's talk food, Hanies. I love the chapter <laughs> names. From the beginning on that cover too, we've got that Reuben Delicious. It looks amazing. And the chapter names are fierce. They stay on theme with names like Breakfast at Tiffany's for the breakfast chapter. Start spreading the news for spreads and dips and supper club for all the supper recipes. Creating recipes entirely for a theme book can be difficult because Ooh. the parameters are set, I would imagine. So was there a chapter that was a little more difficult than the others considering like nyc parameters oh wow that that's a good hmm. question 
That is a really good question. And I think because the way we did it was we had, we had such a collection of recipes to choose from that once we decided on our theme, just going through our good old fashioned binders that had all these recipes in it to then fill in the blanks made it a much easier process than just trying to create the recipes to fit the category. Right, 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 right. Well, was there one then maybe if there wasn't one that was like the most difficult, what about one that was the most fun, like a chapter that you found yourself being the most drawn to, to write? I feel like, um, I feel like to answer both of those questions, um, I, I think that the one that I think the one that was hardest for me personally, I won't speak for you, Michael. Um, <laughs> I think the one that was hardest for me was the side dishes um, because uh, we had really narrowed down a series of choices to try to get a representative side dish. And it started feeling like it was a little top heavy in terms of family recipes, um, gotcha. but, but they're good side dishes. And ultimately it was more important to us to have recipes that we knew were just like banging recipes that people would really enjoy. And I wanted them to be like really simple food that people could just make every day, like coleslaw, right? Like that's just so simple. Right. Um, but uh, at the same time- Which I'm going to interject and say, everybody needs to try the coleslaw. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my amazing. mom's coleslaw. It's amazing. I was going to say, it's that one, right? That's what's it's, in the book? Yeah, it's my mom's coleslaw. Yeah. And she got it from her mother-in-law, my grandmother. So like, it's just, it's like a, it's an old- old family recipe and it's delicious and it's not and 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 then it was like they had given us a certain number of recipes you know how they tell you this is how many recipes can be in the cookbook Mm -hmm. and then um our editor had gotten and our publisher got in touch with us and said so there's a there's a layout thing where we're either going to have to take out two recipes somewhere from the book and i'm like what they're already less Mm -hmm. than i Mm -hmm. want um Mm -hmm. or we're gonna have to add like we have to take out two or add eight or six or something like that because of the way that the pages are actually bound, right? And so we were like, no, no, no. we're going to add in more recipes. That's what we're going to do. We're going to add. We're going to add. We're going to add six and not take away two. And so he was like, great. So can we get those in like twenty-four to forty-eight hours? And we were. It was like it was the middle of a Wednesday. I had like no breaks in the day between all my patients. This happened like on a two minute turnaround up at the front desk when I had just checked a patient out and Michael was sitting there talking to me about work stuff. He's like, stay calm, but here's what we might need to do. (laughs) And we literally sat there and in two minutes said, we're going to add this, this, and this, and we're going to throw in this recipe and this will be done. And sure enough, um, and Michael did the really heavy list lifting on the new recipes for that one, um, which turned out amazing. And uh, and we won't tell happened. you which these were because these no, were we'll not never tested. Tell. We'll never of course. tell. Of course, that goes to of the course. that goes to the grave with the two of us. Mm-hmm. But um, but that I think the one that was most fun for me probably was the desserts because I've a, I've got a huge sweet tooth and. Um, it was sort of, we have so many like dessert recipes that I love. And so trying to narrow it down and figure out why we were picking which one and um, what the significance to New York City was and what the significance to us and our lives, it just felt like a lot of fun sort of pulling that that, that chapter together. Yeah. Okay. So for Ethan, sides were, was a difficult one and sweets was a fun one. Michael, what about you for the chapters? Um, I think definitely... The hard one, I think, for me was entrees. Okay. Because as a New York Jew, food is basically either heavily Jewish, like brisket, 
Chinese or Italian. Yep. And yep. so when we were first putting pulling recipes from our collection together, we're like, okay, this is really heavy on these three things. And while that is truly how we tend to eat here, that's not representative of New York. So it's really branching out and trying to find all these other recipes that we could put in. So it wasn't so slanted. That was, so that was the more challenging portion. And I think desserts for me was the fun one. Oh, all right. So we both got the sweet tooth. Yeah. I got it too. So I'm here for it. I, the churros in your book are amazing. I've made the churros. They're super delicious. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. And from knishes and falafel to New York style cheesecake and Waldorf salad, you guys cover the bases. There's even a street meat platter with sauce and rice, two vegan meats, lettuce, tomato. What are a few of your favorite recipes in the book? Uh, let's think like, what are a couple from each of you like main like supper items or lunch items for uh, that might be a favorite of both of you? yours oh wow favorite of mine in the book um the brisket is definitely a favorite of mine more because of the gravy with it than anything else because brisket is all about the gravy so what kind of gravy is it it is i basically figured out how to recreate my mom's traditional beef brisket gravy recipe nice and it's Tomato juice, water, carrots, onions, celery, a lot of paprika, and some spices, and one secret ingredient that you have to buy the book to get. But see, I love this. You're going back again to family recipes that have been veganized. Like, I mean, just again, proving how how easy that is. And also, like, I mean, it's just, we're, we're able to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that. Ethan, what about you? So I actually ironically like the street meat platter um as an entree uh all right because confessions of a vegan like back in the day going to rafiki uh-huh. the rafiki cart right rafiki's yep. street meat platter which was usually some combination of chickens lambs something like that i i just loved it and like even and it's even the way that we talk about it, right? In New York, we call it the street meat platter. I mean, street meat sounds disgusting, right? Just like, sure. yep. I mean, even as a non-vegan, I thought it sounded disgusting, but it's yep. because it was so well seasoned and because it was so flavorful and had so much umami in it and it had that delicious white sauce. Um, to me, it was like, if we could do this, if we could figure this out, it would be amazing. And I put it on like the punch list of like wish list recipes to try to figure out. And in my mind, I put it up there just because it was like, oh, wouldn't that be amazing? And um, and then I just focused on other ones that were, you know, on my list. And one day I come home and Michael's, I'm like, what is that amazing smell in the house? And he goes, I think I just figured out the street meat platter. And I'm like, no. And he nailed it. He kind of nailed it. Oh, I love it. And so I just love that. It was like this it was this dream big moment of like, oh, wouldn't that be great? But yeah, yeah where's a recipe for that? Um, well, like, as it turns out, it. there is one. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I um, I love the the street cart pretzels. I also love that photo in the book. The whole book has stunning photos, you guys. A shout out to Jackie. So oh, Jackie just Jack. nailed it for us with this. Yeah, we we're so she happy to work with job. her. Mm-hmm. And she's, you guys, she's done a lot of books. She's also on the podcast. Um, we did an interview with her because she has three books out herself. Jackie Soban, friend of the pod, great photographer, great blog, great cookbooks, all the above. Now, what about breakfast, you guys? Any favorites in the breakfast category? Um, I mean, bagels for sure. I mean, you can't be 
a New Yorker and not love a good bagel. Do you bagel. guys make them from scratch in the book? In the book, yeah. Oh, okay now. And actually, yeah, friends of ours who left New York uh, for pandemic reasons and moved down to Florida, they have now been making our bagels regularly so they can have New York bagels down in Florida. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I'm going to have to try it. It's a lot of fun. For me, I think the one that I like, because for me, like, coffee is breakfast practically i mean i eat breakfast every day but Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. but not before i've enjoyed like a really big cup of coffee and i like my coffee with milk and um the chock full of nuts milk um uh that recipe that we have there like vegan milk seemed back in the day 10 years ago to be this impossible thing to make which of course is actually not impossible and it's Actually, sure, it's the actually easiest. the easiest thing to make. But yeah. mm-hmm. um, I started years ago before the cookbook figuring out which milks I liked for what and which ones are creamy, which ones are lighter. And I came up with a blend that I just loved. And it reminded me sort of of the nutty flavor of a uh, chock full of nuts coffee. Um, and that. so I just, I made this, 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 uh, this plant-based milk and it's just absolutely my favorite it's my I, the first i would say two months of quarantine i did not stop making this milk every every third yeah. every third or fourth day i just kept making it and making milk and i'm like i'm gonna buy out all the cashews in in, in in our local store here this is terrible but i just i kept going and going and then finally i was like you know what we're moving on to sourdough bread great right oh you sure did i saw that on instagram you sure did you 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 joined the uh sourdough bread parade i'm part of that cult yes i loved it i loved it my one of my favorites in this book actually is the general so's chicken and it's actually um i love that throughout the book this is one of the ones that you've got those tips like peppered in or or like the the history of new york you've got like you mentioned you've got that sort of peppered all throughout the book which is like it makes this book so special. It, and in that, it's, uh, you know, who sort of claimed who created it, Chef Pang in 1973, or the counterclaim, was it Chef T.T. Wang? Who knows? Um, but it's these tidbits and side notes that make this, it's so much more than a cookbook because of that. It's a piece of history, you know, on NYC itself. It's really great to have those. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. And you close out the book. You guys talked about the chapter about being vegan. Well, everyone should get the book and read that. That was written in 2017, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, so 2016. 16. 16. We wrote it in 16. It was published in 17. So. In 17. So as it stands now, what do you have to say about being vegan in New York City in 2020? Uh, I think in the, middle of a, in the middle of a global pandemic here, we can see all the more reason why it's imperative that the world start moving in this direction. Um, I mean, you know, all of the major, I'll put my doctor hat on for 10 seconds, all the major pandemics that have happened over (laughs) the past 25 to 30 years, everything from SARS to MERS, obviously this COVID-19 pandemic, which is a coronavirus, even things like, like HIV, they all are, are, are at their core um, a medical process called zoonosis, where a pathogen, a virus or a bacteria of some sort, it jumps from animals to people, and that's where it becomes virulent. All these pandemics are coming from places where we confine animals, we kill animals, we butcher animals, and we sell their body parts in areas where it's just, there's so many people and there's so many animals, it's hard to keep the conditions fully sanitary. And 
it's uh, it's costing us our lives. It's costing human life. It's costing us our economy, and it's changing the world. And you know, back in the day, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, five hundred years ago, people had to eat animals. But we don't have issues of food scarcity today. Um, quite mm-hmm. the opposite. And when you consider the climate change issue and how it's absolutely just accelerated by the animal agriculture, and when you consider all the suffering that goes into turning animals into food, there's really no coherent argument for why we need to keep doing this, certainly not at the level that we're doing it. And even for just people to start moving in this direction and you know, doing vegan before six and doing other kinds of meatless Monday programs like the ones that got Michael started on all this. I, I really feel like the arguments are even more coherent. You know, the data has been so clear for, for decades now. And climate change is here. And it's time for us to start acting. And um, we need to take bold actions. And everything that we wrote in that book is not only still true, but it's more true today than it was at the time that we wrote it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I love that you put your doctor hat on. It's very sexy and very true. So there Thank you, you go. Yeah. Um, well, listen, this is time for the section we call the book brag. Book brag. Can you take a moment and uh, just brag on yourself? Tell us something that has come from this book or happened because of this book that you're very proud of. Oh, wow. Um, I think uh, recently, even though the book came out three years ago, there's still stuff that happens every now and then. And we got connected with an Italian restaurant in our neighborhood, Oregano, that was wanting to add vegan options to their menu and do a whole vegan menu. And so they reached out to us to help us create a vegan menu. I love it. That's fantastic. And we did it. We had a big launch party for them, <laughs> unfortunately, right in the middle of February. So, oh. and it was, it got really popular. They were constantly having people call, show up wanting things on the vegan menu. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Man, congratulations to you guys on that. That's um that's a task to take on and it's so great when a restaurant is open to it and I love that they called you. That's that's really great. Yeah, so that that for me is probably one of the greatest things that came out of Vegan Mo's in the book. That's great. Ethan, I don't know if I have any anything that I would brag about, honestly. Um I think one of the best things that happened with the book was our decision to go on a book tour. Um to promote the book. And we got to go to a lot of different veg fests and, um, uh, and just sort of events where we would either do a cooking demo and try to promote the book and sell the book. And um, just being able to meet so many people from so many different parts of the country. I know you've done this way more than we have, Dustin, but like, just for me, it was such an amazing experience to realize that there are people out there who we never knew who actually mm-hmm. they follow you because of the magic of social media. They know who you yeah. are. They know your life. Um, and they're invested in you doing well and they're invested in you doing well for the animals. And it just, it made me realize that there is this really big vegan and, um, and vegan food community out there of, of people who really do just love each other, love the planet, love the animals and want to really support each other. And it's, there's so many wonderful people out there. And this book has been a vehicle for connecting us to people that way, which is something that would never have happened if we, if we had said no to the idea of of writing the cookbook. And I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. 
I love that. And it's so um, interesting to those, you know, the the demos in the VegFest. I love that you say that because it's easy as I, I, I'm sure you guys may, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe you had the feeling when you're in the throes of it and you're doing like one after another and promoting a book, you start to get, you know, you get exhausted yep. and it becomes a moment of like, oh my gosh, what did I, I signed up for too many I'm doing, but then you do meet these people along the way. And my favorite people to meet in those instances are the ones who, like you're almost looking at a mirror you're looking at for me you know the person i was 11 years ago who just went vegan and and is just like trying to soak up all the information i can you know and you meet that person and they're so excited and it sort of just like really like throws energy back your way that goes hey remember this is why you were doing this because this person's just like oh i just had this yesterday and i just tried this and you're like yes and that is exciting like you it it sort of like just really like revives you and refreshes it so i I love that that yeah i think that's yeah that's really great it's special and now we're gonna wrap things up with the baker's dozen rapid fire questions boys are you ready i don't know if i am (laughs) oh my gosh pants optional here we go what is your favorite ingredient to cook with veginase uh nutritional yeast both very good answers second morning person or night owl morning i'm actually i'm actually both i'm i'm by i'm a night owl by nature but i'm in a morning person profession i love it he's versatile favorite kind of apple honey crisp boom quick i'm ac- <laughs> <laughs> tell them michael tell uh, them you don't need apples tell i them. don't need apples <gasps> Oh, just don't like them? Or I'm not did a something fan. terrible happen? No. Okay. Well, okay. one time you know, my about... dad was you know, practicing his bow and arrow. No. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was like, wait. <laughs> now, do you eat, would you eat like apple pie or apple cobbler? Um, I'm not overall a huge pie fan. Okay. I'm oh, more oh, a cake person. Michael. But I Ethan makes a, a kick-ass apple crisp, which I'm a big fan of. Oh, okay. All right. So occasionally the apple will come into your world. Yeah. Uh, marinara or pesto? Marinara. Marinara. Mm, quick. Love it. Favorite vegan dessert? Mm. I think it's probably the um, uh, the peanut butter bomb by Vegan Treats. Nice. That is a really good one. Apparently anything by Vegan Treats has to come on that list. But if I have to pick one thing... Oof. This could be a both both breakfast or dessert, because I'm sure. an equal opportunist. But the sa- chocolate chip sour cream coffee cake in Good our cookbook. Answer. Good answer, Michael. I was waiting ah, for that. Nice. That <laughs> is like every now and then when we had our house in Jersey and I'd be upstairs doing something and the smell of cake baking would suddenly like waft its way up. I'd sh- I could yell out, are you making that cake again? Yes, I am. And it's like, <laughs> I love you and I hate you because the cake's supposed to serve however many a cake serves. To me, it's one. Right. <laughs> it's a generous one. You have a mission with that cake when it comes to it then. I love that. Uh, what are you guys binge watching right now? You know, um, we don't have anything at the moment. We, we just, just finished, we just finished um, Insecure. Yes. On, uh, Is that on? Is that on Netflix? Where is that? That was, uh, it was on HBO. I think it's I think. on HBO. Okay. It uh, is Instagram. absolutely brilliant. Thankfully, there is going to be a fifth season, so we're just yeah, waiting. Because there was no way they could leave us there. Too. Yeah, we went through four seasons. 
I think we're going to dive deep and get HBO. We haven't, I've done like the trial and watched a bunch of stuff in a couple of weeks, but I think we're going to circle back and get it. Uh, cupcakes or donut? Mm, cupcakes. Cupcakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brad Pitt or Bradley Cooper? Mm-hmm. I love that you were able to choose cupcakes or donuts <laughs> faster than Brad Pitt or Bradley Cooper. I'm, I'm letting Michael go first because he's always answering off my answer. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Your turn, Michael. See you next Tuesday. Um, <laughs> when... this is Can I be in the middle? Question. Sure. <laughs> I love that answer. That's I've asked this. This is one of the ones that gets asked most in the rapid fire. Oh, the please. First time. It's Bradley Cooper. Cooper correctly. It's Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper for either. Okay. And you, you said you're Brad Pitt facing, did you say? Michael? It doesn't matter which way I'm facing in the middle. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Now, what is your go-to exercise of choice? Uh, typically, it's running for me. Okay. Um, when it was available, the Peloton in our building... So that was my obsession for about two years until everything shut down. Of course, that makes sense. Now, what's your favorite vacation destination? Mm-hmm. Palm Springs, California. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I knew that. Michael, you're the same. Right? Yeah, it's Palm Springs or just put, put me on a beach somewhere tropical. I love it. Uh, must have tool in the kitchen. A good knife. Excellent. That's really just for keeping people out of the kitchen. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, I think a good uh, citrus uh, juicer is a really, that's mm. a good, that's an important one. Very good. Waffles or pancakes? Pancakes. Pancakes. And the final one, if you could cook for any celebrity, who would it be? <sighs> wow. Gosh, Michael. Okay, so back in the day, had you asked me this, <laughs> it would have been Giada De Laurentiis. Okay. Because I was obsessed with her for the longest, longest time. So part of me still would want to do it and say, okay, girl, everything that you have in all of your cookbooks and your shows, here's how to do it vegan. Mm-hmm. And just show her mm-hmm. how to do it. Mm-hmm. I get that. I think if I could cook for any any celebrity, I'd want to cook for Cher. Because first of all, that would mean mm-hmm. that I get to be in the room with Cher. And then oh. um, I would want to watch Cher eat. You know, I think that could be a real fun experience. As that started to fall out of your mouth, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen her take food in my life. Exactly. I'm not sure she eats food. Good answer. That's a really good answer. Oh, you guys, that's great. That's your rapid fire. Now, to find out more about the Vegan Mo's and all of the great work they do, you can check them out at veganmo's.com. And gentlemen, where can listeners find you on social media? We are Vegan Mo's on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, um, our website. <laughs> Fantastic. Yep. We are not on that's TikTok. <laughs> we, do, we do not tick. We do not talk. I have my team at work keeps trying to get me on TikTok. And I'm like, guys, I don't think you understand. It's cute that you think that like I'm young enough for that, but I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> it so much. Not, not it. Uh, you guys are the best. Thank you for doing this. We miss you madly. Thanks for taking the time to chat today. No, it's our so pleasure. We miss us. you guys too. Please come up and visit. Y'all for real. Go to the Instagram today for shirtless pics of Michael riding a mechanical bull. It's in the stories of the Vegan Roadie account. It's uh, 
It's good stuff. Okay, good for you, I say, Michael. Round of applause. Yes, round of round applause. Of applause. Mm-hmm. Good job, mm-hmm. Michael. Mm-hmm. Such a treat to catch up with them and then get half-naked photos sent to me by email after that I'm now sharing with you, dear listeners. Slide into those DMs. I mean, don't slide into my DM. I mean, you can slide into my DMs I mean, kind to of say hi, but... Whoa. Whoa, David, no? just... Sorry. My goodness. Oh, you I took can't... it there. <laughs> I mean, did I? No, he did. And that's okay because it was it was with consent. It was with consent. So with Michael's consent, he has he has sent us the pics for you to see of him uh, at that gay pride we spoke about in the episode. I can't wait to see them when we are back in NYC one day. One day, one day after this pandemic. But hey, um, you know how everyone can get a taste of NYC now? Well, by entering the giveaway we have going on. We have a giveaway. Oh, that's right. Um, including uh, uh, that cookbook is included as one of the 20 vegan cookbooks we are giving away. Um, and in that is the copy of NYC Vegan, Iconic Recipes for a Taste of the Big Apple by today's guests, the Vegan Mode. So go to Keep On Cooking Podcast page on Apple Podcast if you aren't already there and rate, review, and subscribe. And bing, bang, boom, you are entered in the raffle to win this book and many more. Bing, bang, boom. Thank you so much to everyone who has taken the time to rate, review, and subscribe. We're loving it. We're seeing lots of reviews, so yes, it really helps our new so podcast sweet. out. Uh, we appreciate it now that... Uh, oh, 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 now it's time. It's time for Dustin's Dish. Dustin's Dish. What a dish. Mm. Oh, what honey. What is Dustin's Dish this week? What do you got for us? Simple. Peel ginger with a spoon. What? Yeah, that's right. It's easier than with a knife, and you save a lot of the flesh that way of the actual ginger. Just scrape the skin off with the edge of a spoon. Bam! Ginger. That's amazing. I know. And it'll make your ginger work so speedy, you can put the spoon down and then rate, review, and subscribe to keep on cooking. Look at that. Look at that. So thanks for joining us today. See you next Tuesday. Keep on cooking. And remember, it's nice to be nice. This has been a Muzzy Cat production. (laughs) 